Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, some big casting news out of Young and the Restless. Donnie Boaz, who just returned to the set in December after he had to take a break following a positive COVID-19 diagnosis, was let go from the show. Now, Donnie revealed that he had gotten his schedule through March, but then right before Christmas, he got the call that he was out. Donnie said he was told that the character wasn't going to be killed off or replaced. So we will see what that means for Abby, whose story is like now heating up as Mariah just agreed to be a surrogate to carry a child for her Um, and you know Chance is already gone from Genoa City and we know that Melissa Ordway's real life husband Justin Gaston filled in for Donnie we had them on the podcast to talk about it so fans are like naturally speculating that he will be brought in down the road yeah I can certainly understand why I mean it seems like if they do recast the role Justin would be uh, if not the obvious choice then certainly a front runner um, you know, but the way Chance exited and also the, you know, possibility that he might have like a child coming in Genoa City certainly leaves the door open uh, for a return. Uh, we're also saying goodbye to a legacy character on Days in the form of Jamie Lynn Bowers' Laura. Uh, obviously, like that character has come and gone over the years as opposed to have been uh, a permanent fixture like, say, uh, her ex Mickey was. But This is a character that was introduced in 1966, so obviously her Salem roots run really deep, so it does feel like a big deal. Oh, it's a super big deal. I mean, if you think about it, Bill Horton only died a year ago, I mean, albeit off camera, um, but there are precious few Hortons knocking around in town, and they are the first family of Salem, you know? Um, and we're going to see Jennifer, played by Katie McLean, leave town after Laura's funeral. So we're going to be down another Horton. And mm. not to say there aren't plenty of stories to tell with the other very beloved families, you know, the Bradys, the Demaras, the Kyriakuses. But any discussion of days really starts with the Hortons. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that family will play once Laura 
is gone and mm -hmm. Jennifer as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, on the other side of the going coin, we'll see James Reed back as Clyde, George Del Hoyo back as Orpheus, and Brock Kelly back as Evan. And I always say head writer Ron Carlovati does such a bang-up job with cycling people in and out for visits, and these three will prove to be key to a current story playing out. Um, and speaking of those characters, I have to give a special shout out to Stacey Heideck, who has just reprised the role of Susan, but is also there as Kristen. Um, I have spoken to almost everyone in her storyline in the past week, from Eric Martzoff to Robert Scott Wilson to Isabel Durant, and they all say it is so hard to keep a straight face when Stacey is in full bloom as Susan. <laughs> yeah, bra bravo to her, honestly. I mean, she has really come to own those roles which is no easy feat, not only because they are each distinct and challenging in their own way, but because she was taking over for the brilliant Eileen Davidson, who is uh, originally responsible for making these roles as iconic as they are. Um, another bit of casting news that I wanna highlight is that Chad Brannon is going to be popping into General Hospital in March. Uh, he played Xander Smith, from 2000 to 2004, but Xander's son, Cameron, is still on the canvas. Uh, it's a role that Chad won a daytime Emmy for back in the day, and fans remember Xander for his romance with Emily Quartermain as well. Uh, I don't know what brings about this visit, which will presumably be a ghostly one, but I imagine he would be uh, in scenes with Cameron and or Liz. So that's, I think, something fun to look forward to. Okay, so truth be told, when you let me know about this little development, I actually had to think about him for a second because I was like, wait, didn't he die? <laughs> um, you know, my memory. Um, so I think it'll be cool to see him back, you know, after all this time. Now, in the new issue, we have a really fun roundup where we asked actors to tell us what other soap roles they auditioned for. And I think it's such a kick to read them and I think about like what could have been. So, you know, Melissa Claire Egan, who plays Chelsea on Young and the Restless, told us that before she was cast as All My Children's Annie, she auditioned for YNR to be Colleen and her screen test was with Thad Luckenbill. And she also auditioned over at Azrael Turns, where she read with Grayson McCooch for the role of Lucy, which ultimately went to Spencer Grammer. Um, then there's Wally Kurth, best known, of course, to Days fans as Justin and GH fans as Ned, roles he is still playing today, read for the part of All My Children's Tad, which shot Michael E. Knight to, like, soap superstardom. And uh, also Bold and Beautiful's Darren Brooks, who plays Wyatt, but started his soap career as Days as Max, told us that he was on the radar at both One Life and Young and the Restless. And it's crazy to think about like all these life-changing roles for, that were for these actors and how it all could have turned out so differently. I know, I mean, imagine if Darren had gone to One Life, which would have meant, you know, relocating to New York, maybe he never would have uh, landed on the primetime series Blue Mountain State, which is where he met his lovely bride, Kelly Kruger. Uh, Kelly Kruger, who is known to soap fans for playing YNR's Mackenzie, as well as her like intermittent stints uh, on B&B as Eva, the Forrester International publicist, will be reprising that B&B role, and we are very excited to have her as our guest today. Well, I wanna hear all about that and more, so let's get her on the line and see how she's doing. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, so are we, and we are excited to learn much more about you. So let's start that you were born and raised in Montreal. Tell us about your childhood there. Oh, God, it was cold. Uh <laughs> 
I definitely don't miss the uh, the cold winters. I do miss the four seasons, though. It is there is something really beautiful about that. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Montreal, and um, I had a a very interesting upbringing. Um, uh, I always knew I wanted to act from the time that I was literally, I can't remember not knowing that I wanted to be an actress. And luckily I had, or have a mother who really believed in exposing me to everything so that I can pick and choose what I wanted to do and what I like. So she literally put us in the arts very early, you know, dance. I started dancing when I was very, very young and, uh, gymnastics, figure skating, but theater was my thing. I loved being on stage. I had a very difficult home life in my childhood. So when I was on stage or performing, it was my escape from whatever it is that I was going through. And I also always looked up to um, actors th that I admired. And, and, I, and, and, and I always sort of, as a child, dreamt of being someone that a, a young girl could look up to and help them through the situation that they're going because it's very isolating when you go through a lot as a as a child and uh and i wanted to just sort of be that when i grew up i wanted to play roles that could inspire people you know um and the type of roles that i play were very important in like the, the way i choose a role um in uh, making a difference so i um well that was a very loaded like tell me about your childhood well this is this is like four <laughs> seconds <laughs> this is me in a nutshell okay bye guys <laughs> <It's great talking>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically that's that's pretty much uh but my childhood itself you know the first the first um i want to say 10 years of my life were very happy and very um you know, I, I, like I said, was exposed to a lot and my happiest memories were truly when I was in some way performing. So, um, luckily my mom never forced me to do certain things. It was always like, if I liked it, I kept doing it. And if I didn't, I, I didn't have to kind of redo it. So as I understand it, um, you actually experienced something that to me sounds like it's right out of a movie, which is that you were discovered as a model when you were visiting family in Los Angeles. Tell me, tell me the story. I was. So um, basically, like I said, I would always do, my mother wanted me to stay in school when I was younger. So she never really had me pursue a career in acting. And if things sort of came to me, then we would explore them. But uh, I started modeling when I was very young for like anyone, any Canadian who's listening, there was like Zellers, which is kind of like do you guys know what that is? It was sort of, I want to say like Walmart, but not, it was sort of like, so you would do Zeller's catalogs and that was like the cool thing. And, um, and, uh, and I was doing a lot of modeling. And then when I was, um, when I was sort of, I guess on a, my photo was on a casting director's desk, um, in Montreal and they were casting for a movie to play Jennifer, a young Jennifer Jason Lee. And the cast director saw my photo and was like, oh, she could probably be a young Jennifer Jason Lee. And so I, I ended up getting down to the wire between me and the girl who got it. It was that movie, Dolores Claiborne. I don't know if you know what it was, but it was Kathy Bates. And it was like, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, I want to do this. And um, but the really the, the way to really pursue a career, it was so rare to have that kind of opportunity in Canada at that time. Today, there's a lot of opportunity in Canada, but at that time, there wasn't. And so I have an aunt and uncle who lived in LA and they said, if you really want to pursue this, you have to come out here and, and really give it a shot. And so when I was 17, they said, come out for the summer. I was registered for uh, CGEP, which is like the junior college in, in Montreal. 
Um, I was just coming up for the summer and they said, let's see what, what could happen. And you know, if nothing happens, you go back and you go to school in September. So I came out for the summer and I kept being approached by modeling. And I said like, and the reason I brought up modeling as a kid was that was something like your things don't matter. Your height doesn't matter. Your looks don't matter. They just want like a body to model Zeller's clothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But as you get older, these things really matter. And I never saw myself as someone who could be a model. I was not tall enough. I didn't think I had the particular look. And, uh, but people just came, kept coming up to us and giving us cards. And so my aunt looked at me and she said, Hey, you know, you're getting all these cards to be a part of these agencies. Let's just go to the top. And she basically walked me into elite with a, uh, photo like a four by six photo of me from my high school my high school prom whereas like I sit in the room and like all these girls have like professional modeling portfolios <laughs> like huge things and I'm looking around I look at my aunt I'm like you're insane we don't belong here and ultimately they sent everybody away and kept me and uh, I was faced with the decision basically the agency was like look we, we want to represent you we want to put you as part of our new faces but you have to move here and I thought, I mean, this is a great opportunity as a stepping stone to, um, to pursue my career as an actress, but I didn't want to leave my mom, you know, like I was like, I was going to move to a whole new country and I, you know, it, then you become, you're so young. And so my mom basically lied to me and said that she, she was going to move in like a month after me because she knew that if she didn't lie and say, I'm moving with you, I wouldn't have done it. And she absolutely knew she wasn't, had, she had no intention of, of moving, but she did it for me. And I, uh, I signed with them and moved here. I lived with my aunt and uncle for the first little while and started working on, you know, modeling jobs, but I hated that world. And I just kept using it as like a way to get into the acting world and meeting people and getting into an acting class and just trying to, um, find a way to, to kind of get into the business that way. Cause you, I couldn't do it unless I was here. Mm -hmm. So that was my like entry. So what was it like for you, A, just moving to LA from Canada, and then B, when you realized your mom wasn't coming? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have major trust issues to this day. Uh, <laughs> no, um, look, I, I think I knew deep down that she, she, she lives here now. So technically she did keep her promise. She did move eventually, which is nice. Timeline was a little off, but. Yeah. Timeline was off by 10 or so years, but, uh, but, but she did, she did, uh, she did move here. Um, it was really hard coming from Canada um, to really establish a life here because uh, the mentality is very different. And I was very, I was, I had a good head on my shoulders, but also very naive. And I always saw the best in people and I would get, you know, hurt a lot by people who are using you. And, you know, there was just a different, it was, it was much more cutthroat. It wasn't, um, you know, I, I feel like Canadians like have less, um, I don't want to say they're less competitive, but it's more like a little bit more like you help me, I help you. And here I noticed like the people I, I was meeting, it was like, what can you do for me? And I wasn't used to that. So it's sort of, it was hard for me to find a group of people and a support system that I could count on and that I could trust. So that was really challenging and that forced me to grow up really, really quickly and just really keep my head on my shoulders and go, okay, not even my head on my shoulders, but my blinders on is like, why am I here? What's my goal? How do I get there? And you know, you really had to do it yourself. You really had to like, there was no one you, you have you to count on. And that was basically, that was basically it. Um, 
And, um, and I knew that, uh, you know, in a way, finding out my mother wasn't really coming, it, it was a way to it actually help to drive me because it made me go, okay, if I can get really, really successful, then she'll, then I can make it that she, that she comes. So it kept me like really, really motivated and really focused. And so I think in a way it was a gift because maybe, you know, you get a little success when you're really young and you can get distracted and you can sort of just like, but it it kept me going, okay, my goal is I want my family together. I want my mom to come out here. So I need to really, really stay focused and keep booking jobs and working and, you know, focus on getting better. And so I was always in an acting class. I was always, you know, um, Steph, you've known me for a long time. It's like, I've always hustled. Mm-hmm. And I think that hustle stems from, you know, end result as opposed to like quick fix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, your first proper television gig was on the Aaron Spelling Show, Titans. Mm-hmm. And your episode was directed by Joanna Carnes, uh, who is probably best known as the mom on Growing Pains. You played the very critical role of shrieking girl. <laughs> Uh, tell us about that experience. Okay. I'm going to tell you about that experience because that was the most memorable experience that I've ever had. Yes, it was my first acting job. Yes, I was starstruck by it was the, because it was the mom from Growing Pains. And I was so excited. And not only that, this also involves Ingo Rademacher. Yes. He was on that show, right? Yeah. And I remember my cousin who I lived with after my aunt, I had a cousin who lived here too. It's all very confusing, but, um, she was a huge general hospital fan and he was on that show. And then he was, you know, so, um, I was so excited. I was like, this is my, I was such a huge 90210 fan. So I was like, this is it. I'm going to be on 90210. Aaron Spelling's going to discover me. My, you know, I didn't care. Like my role was shrieking girl, but I was like, I'm going to like, from the moment I had the audition until this, like, I was like, this is my break. This is it. Right. And so I show up on set. I've never done anything before, as we know. And I had no idea what I was doing and nobody prepped me for this. But I get onto set. Joanna Kearns introduces herself. It's She's so sweet. I'm starstruck. Um, the set has about 200 extras because it's this big party scene. And my role was, like we said, shrieking girl. And the only thing I had to do was notice a dead body in a pool. It was a huge pool party and I notice a dead body in the pool. I scream on the top of my lungs and that's the top of the episode and what the episode's about. By the way, that's all I had in the whole episode, right? <laughs> so, um, so I get there and I go through hair and makeup and I'm meeting everyone. I met Ingo and like, I think he was in the scene with me or whatever. And, uh, and I'm getting ready and there's so many people there that Joanna Kearns has a megaphone to talk to everybody to like get the set quiet. And so typically, as we know, the way it works is, you know, the director says, um, okay, rolling, sound speeds. And then what they say is background to get the background going. And then on action is when you start. Well, I had no idea about any of this. And uh, Joanna said, um, okay, uh, and we're rolling. And then she said, background. And at the top of my lungs, I start screaming. (laughs) Everybody stops. They all turn and look at me. It is silent for what felt like a full minute, but it was probably about 10 seconds. Joanna gets on her megaphone and she's like, um, yeah, Kelly, um, you might want to wait for me to say action to start screaming. And the entire set started hysterical laughing. I mean, I think my face is still burning red. (laughs) And they were all like, and I remember Ingo specifically being like, it's okay, kid. You're okay. (laughs) And I was like, wow okay and so you know I I sucked I sucked it up I 
We went again. I waited for action. And to this day, I still wait after a director says action. I still wait a good like 10 seconds before I actually start doing anything because <laughs> it was so scarring. But I learned a lot from it. And that was a mistake that I was like, it was so humiliating, but I, I learned, okay, now I know the order of the way things go. And, uh, and for anybody listening, when they say background, what it is, is like just to get the party goers sort of like going and moving and doing what they're supposed to do and to give them. A, and so that takes usually, the director usually waits another like couple, maybe a minute to get that going and then says action. So anybody who's been on a set before and starts hearing someone scream out of nowhere is like, it's humiliating. <laughs> Have you ever encountered Ingo since then and reminisced yes. about, yeah? Well, I don't know if he actually remembered me because he, he went on, he was, he was on Bold, you know, uh, a year or oh, two. Oh, right, of before. course. And I think I said to him, um, yeah, we, we, we've met before <laughs> like on, on Titans, you know, a hundred years ago. And, and I think he was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think he remembers. I mean, I think that's something too. That's that, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be worse if you were like, oh my God, shrieking girl, I remember you. I remember you. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> well, you obviously learned a very good lesson because in 2002, you were tapped to take over the role of Mackenzie Browning on Young and the Restless. So tell us your YNR casting story. Oh God, that was the best moment of my life. It really was. So, so getting cast on YNR, um, it's actually, there's a funny story along with that too. There was this actress, um, Maggie Grace. I don't know if you guys know who she is, but she, yeah, so of course you do. So Maggie and I, when we would audition together a lot and it was usually her and I down to the wire with things and she would always get the role over me. And it was always like, I'd show up and I'm like, oh, there's Maggie. There's the guy. She would get it. And, um, I show up to my test actually, um, to go even further back when they were recasting the role of Mac. I went in for the pre-read and I met with Marnie and um, it was such a great audition. And I found out I wasn't getting the callback because I didn't look enough like Ashley, the original Mac. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like, okay, I mean, I really like, I had never watched YNR before, but I really connected with the role and I just kind of let it go. And I was really disappointed because I was like, I, I think I'm really right for this. And I guess they went through like multiple rounds and couldn't find the girl. And so she decided, you know what? I loved her. I'm going to bring her back to producers. And I went in for producers and they were like, we want to test her. And I found out it was sort of like, I remember the callback was on a Wednesday. I was going to have a work session on the Friday. And then I was testing on a Monday and the role started on Wednesday. So everything was like within a week, mm -hmm. life changing too, because I remember like I was a hostess at a restaurant and it was like, you know, I had, uh, there was just so many stories to that. I you know, that, that come into play, but that's for another time. Cause we'd be here for forever. But <laughs> Um, but just to show you how quickly your life can change, you know, to go from like within a week um, when you stay focused. But um, so I find out that I'm testing. I show up to the test. There's Maggie. And I was like, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is mine. mine. I was like, not this time. And I was so adamant about it. I don't even know if I said it to her. <laughs> like I might've even been like, this one's mine. <laughs> or I really thought it. Um, and I remember like, you know, just getting onto set and back in, in, during that time, I know, I think days still test like this, but, but no, none of the other shows do. You actually go onto the set you go through hair and makeup, you go onto the set and you do the scene as if you are, you know, working on the show. And I remember like I was with David Tom and we got onto set and it was this beautiful scene and I started crying and I forgot for a minute that 
I was auditioning and it was such like a incredible moment for me because because usually in those situations you get you can get very nervous and you're you know and I remember forgetting that I was actually auditioning and this was such a I just felt in my heart I'm like I have to play this role and I need this I need this to work out and I remember um leaving and and getting home again finding out that night I got home that night and it was like two hours later and I found out that I I got the role and let me tell you like that was I was very broke right before then, like didn't know how I was surviving. It was, it was a moment that was so life-changing that I'll never forget, like jumping around that kitchen with my then, um, partner, you know, um, and it was my boyfriend at the time and just screaming. Cause we were like counting change for pizza at that point. Like it was just like, um, and, um, yeah, this is just such an incredible moment for me. Like one of my best auditions and most life-changing, I want to say auditions. And and then let's cut back to Maggie. I ran into her at the Golden Globes the next year <laughs> after she got lost. And I was like, joke's on you. <laughs> like here she is, like winning Golden Globe, being part of Golden Globe nominated shows. But again, like I wouldn't trade being a part of this community and the soap world for anything because what we have here is so special. And I really, really, in the moment I was like, see, I got it over you. And then you went off. I did you a favor because you went and got lost <laughs> and had this huge career. And taken. <laughs> Never mind. And, yeah, taken. Exactly. If it wasn't for me psyching you out of Young and the Restless, you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> it really is incredible. So uh, outside of this cousin of yours, who was the GH super fan, had yes. you ever watched soaps before? Like, did you have an understanding of the world you were joining? I really didn't. When I was young, I used to go to a sleepaway camp, uh, a summer camp, and there was this one girl in my bunk, in my cabin. I don't know if you guys like this Canadian versus American, but she was a huge Days of Our Lives fan. Such a big fan at, we were like nine or 10, that her mother would send her the soap digest. Look how everything's coming full circle. That's my story. So did my mom to my bunk at camp. (laughs) At camp. She would send her soap digest every single, whatever it was, I guess week, right? She would send her the- Bi-weekly probably at that time. At that time, yeah. And, And she would sit there and she would, wow, this is so crazy that I'm, that like, this all just came full circle to me right now. Um, and she would read the Soap Digest and it would be like, what happened? And she would catch up and she was explaining it to us. And I remember looking at her and going, what is, like, this is crazy. This is <laughs> I mean, how are you such a fan of something and that you need the, like, without even actually seeing the show, you're reading about it. And it was so foreign to me. Um, and that was really like my first memory of like, what real Soap fan are and what what this what what this medium like does for people the the joy it brings them the entertainment it brings them um but i actually had never watched a soap before my mom i guess did when she had told me later on that that she used to watch YNR all the time um before we were born but she was like big YNR fan um but we never i never watched it growing up i never watched any of the soaps growing up i only know about days the days of our lives because of this girl that i went to camp with that's amazing. Um, okay, so now you're on set, you get cast, you're in a young storyline, so there's people your age. So who were your buddies then? Like, what was that dynamic like to be in that sort of uh, storyline? Yeah, um, it was really amazing. Everybody was so, because during that time it was, uh, you know, David Lago and Lauren Woodland and um, David Tom, and we all kind of, Thad, Thad and I were got were really close um, during that time. And um, and I actually also, you know, oddly became very close to Tracy Bregman, 
um, who became like a big sister type of, you know, there were a lot of people who kind of took me under their wing. Christoph was another one um, who's so great to me. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely, I remember being the new girl and being the recast. I always kind of felt like a little bit of an outcast. Like I was always sort of being not by the cast, but just, you know, it was, it was a rough transition to come in. Um, and I do, you do feel like, you know, even like at first I had to kind of prove myself to the younger kids. Like here I am the new girl coming in, taking over and everybody loved Ashley so much, you know, the original Max. So I felt like there were a lot of like hoops I had to jump through to like yeah. get in with the, with the, with the group, you know, but, um, but it was great. And everybody was so, um, it was, we had so much fun. It was like, we became like an instant family, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, Mackenzie Browning had quite the legendary grandmother on the show in Catherine Chancellor, played by Jean Cooper. What stands out to you about working with the legend herself? She was incredible. She, um, remember, this was my first real acting. Let's take Screaming Girl out of it, okay? <laughs> shrieking Girl, hello. Shrieking, sorry, Shrieking, you're right. So yeah, Young the Restless was my first real acting job. And so everything I learned, which is such a blessing too, if you really think about it, because being on a soap prepares you for anything. I have done movies today that work really fast for, for movie standards. And they're like, how do you do that? And it's like, this is nothing compared to what we do on a soap. We, this, this amount of dialogue, it's nothing. You, you get multiple takes on this. We don't on a soap, you know? So there's, to have a soap be your first place of, of training and be the first thing that you do, you just learn so much. And um, I'll never forget Jeannie, um, the one thing she said to me that has stuck with me to this day is she looked at me and she said, treat every single scene that you do like it's the last scene you will ever shoot in your life. And she said that to me because, and I get the chills thinking about it because I approach everything in my work today like that. If it's an audition, if it's, I treat it like it's the last audition. If it's everything that I do, because if you treat it like it's the last thing you're ever going to do, you're going to give your 100%. Because on soaps, we tend to, because there's so much dialogue and there's, and you, you always have tomorrow. So if you phone it in today, well, there's always tomorrow. But if there is no tomorrow, you have to give your 100% today. And that will always keep you on your a game. And, um, and, and, and it was like, I used to look at her and, you know, she's the matriarch of the show and everybody looks up to her. And, and, um, and it was, I think one of the first things she said to me that just stuck with me. And it's like, again, it wasn't just about that time. It, it, it's stayed with me all these years for everything that I do. And she was just so, her presence was, I mean, it still felt there. Like when I went back last year or whatever it was, it's like, and she's obviously gone. You still feel her because she was such a strong um, presence on that show. And there's just so many things. I mean, I mean, I remember too, um, in her, she had a stroke in our storyline and I was so connected to her that, you know, today in my work, a lot of the times I have to use substitution where if I'm in a scene with someone, I'll, I have to, you know, sort of, it's as if this is somebody else, but with her, she was my grandmother. It was like, I looked through that window and I see her in the hospital and I couldn't control the emotion because it was like she was my grandmother so it was a a very strong connection and she she really did um have a big impact on my life Mm -hmm. 
Well, Mac did have her share of dramatic storylines. In fact, she married Billy, and on their wedding night, when she was about to lose her virginity to her new husband, they found out that they were actually related, which eventually proved not to be true. But congratulations for being part of one of the soapiest things that ever soaped. And, you know, <laughs> what, what do you remember just about sort of Mac's journey in those kinds of stories? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, it is when people ask, you know, hey, what's what's like a crazy soap storyline? I'm like, I married my cousin. <laughs> we're about to have sex. We found out. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the truth is when I was in that storyline, it was so heartbreaking because here you are. This couple has been on this journey. And remember, it was like a whole thing about if she's going to lose her virginity to him. And it was then they broke up over it. And it's this like little like this. And and finally, they get to the point where their love was so pure. And I, I know we're talking about soap characters. But when you're young and you're in it and you're really like living this life every single day for this amount of time, you truly believe that this is what's really happening in, in life because you're in it every day. And I remember like reading it and being like, God, like take the cousins out of it and take the, but the heartbreak that these two can't be together. And that I remember feeling, I was so heartbroken by that because I had been in this, like so invested in their love story. And then here they are finally getting married and finally between Jill not wanting them together and all their obstacles and they're finally together and it's like they can't be together. So I think I justified the soapiness of like we're cousins and I tried to make it just the heartbreak of like that these two people love each other so much and cannot be together. Well, obviously you, you mentioned how your life changed uh, very rapidly and very dramatically when you did get this first sustained job. So on the flip side of that, when Mac was written out like a year and a half later or so, was that upsetting? Were you cool with it? What was that experience like? It was the worst. It was devastating. It was like a death. I, I took it. You know, what's so funny is I remember, um, and looking back, you know, you grow and you learn and you realize that jobs are jobs and they come and they go and you can't, nothing should define you. This defined me um, because I went from having nothing to supporting my family to it, it was so it meant so much to me and I loved being there that's the other thing is like I loved my job so much and I loved the role so much and I loved the people and it was just like all of a sudden it's taken away and you never think that that's a possibility you're so young I was like 19 20 years old like it's like you think you sign a three-year contract you think like you know, this is, you don't, you don't think that that's a possibility. So when I found out that it was happening, it was just, um, it was so devastating. And I remember Eva Longoria coming up to me and going, isn't this, isn't this great? Like now that we're not under contract anymore, I can go do all of these other things that I haven't been able to do because I've been under contract. And I remember looking at her and going, how could she think this is great? This is the worst thing ever. And it's also, you feel at that age, you don't understand that there's a lot of factors that go into whether you're going to stay on the show or not. It's not necessarily you personally. It could be a lot of different things. It rarely, rarely is up, if ever, is you personally. Right, for sure. But remember, being a recast and reading message boards and when people were, because remember, the audience was very 50-50. The people who did not like Ashley loved me and were huge fans of my Mac, but there was also one air date between us. So how do you expect people to accept you when they have no time to even forget that Ashley existed. It was like one air date. And then it was like, here's, here's Kelly Kruger as your new Mac right. people. I was a very different actress than she was. I looked physically very different. So I understand it today, but I, I, I took it like such a personal 
failure for me when they, when they decided not to pick up my option. Um, even though five people were let go at the same time and it had nothing to do with me personally, it was a storyline related thing. Um, in that moment, it was sort of like, I am a failure and this, I did not, you know, it was very, very, very hard for me to, to, um, to kind of move on from that. It took me like definitely a minute to get over it until I understood, like, I didn't understand how the business worked. Mm -hmm. So I took it very, very personally. Mm -hmm. Well, a very memorable moment after that was in 2007 when you guest starred on Entourage, playing the role of Lori, who met Turtle at a grocery store. But prior to that, the lead character Vincent starred in a movie called Queens Boulevard. And according to the fake poster for that movie, his castmates were Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, Katie Holmes, Zoe Deschanel, and Kelly Krueger. So what is the story behind that? Well, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting um, little details too, and if you actually really pay attention, that episode happened to be called "The Young and the Stoned," and it was <laughs> and Mrs. Ari, who Jeremy P who played Jeremy Piven's wife, was going back to Young and the Restless on that episode, and so that episode was uh, was it's kind of a tribute to me, um, my uh, my. Uh, Boy, boyfriend at the time was a writer producer on Entourage and um and he I guess the way this all came about was I had guest starred on Criminal Minds that that they literally just played last night I take a screenshot and send it to Kelly every time it airs but I don't know what that says about me and watching <laughs> Criminal Mind repeats or that she's just on all the time it is. It's crazy. That episode airs. I get stopped more. I, I would get stopped in, in airports about that Criminal Minds. People recognizing me from Criminal Minds more than anything else. And it was that one episode. They just run it all the time. And you realize that Criminal Minds is one of Netflix's top 10 shows that were watched and streamed during the pandemic. No, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, so I feel like there's a whole new audience. Yeah, <laughs> Prepare yourself to get stopped a lot more. It's know, a totally haunting episode of people haven't seen it. It really they is. All and, are. And, and when it aired, it was their high. I think they got 17 million views on that one episode. It was their highest episode of that time uh -huh. because it's so disturbing. It's, yeah. it's so disturbing. But I loved working on that show. My God, I, I still am close to those girls to, today because it was such a crazy experience to go through. Um, but I guess so. The episode, how the, how the whole thing transpired was. Um, the Criminal Minds episode aired, and Doug Ellen, who created the show, was like, "Oh, Kelly can actually act." Like he did, you know. Like I was, I was with it. Nobody really like I was the girlfriend of, you know. It wasn't like, "Oh, she's a great actress." And I think, um, even though my boyfriend at the time was like, "Of course she can act," she's, you know, she, but he can't. He couldn't be like put put her on the show, nor like nor would I ever want him to do that. Everything I've ever done has been earned and auditioned for and nothing really has has ever been a favor nor would I ever want that so the way it all transpired I was actually very happy about um because it was him kind of seeing my work and going we got to get her on the show and so it was just about finding the right role and they wrote this episode about the young and the restless about Mrs. Ari going back to young and the restless and they were like oh it'd be so perfect for Kelly to come on and and be a part of this because it'll be our secret like tribute to Kelly on this you know coming from YNR and then being a part of this thing and and the Queens Boulevard poster was I think just like a a, a funny little like inside joke a lot of the stuff Easter on Easter egg or something what there's a little Easter egg yeah so fun yeah. But it's really amazing because in, let's just talk about Criminal Minds now, but in that Criminal Minds episode, like the amount of emotion and like range you got to show with if there's one hour episode 
is nuts. Like, yeah, it, it was crazy. And um, <clears throat> it was, that was a gift that, that for sure. Cause it did showcase for people who didn't, hadn't seen my work. That was like a moment for people to go, Oh my God, wow. She really, she really can act. I mean, that was, you know, and it was um, our director, Matterall Beasley was, I mean, right. A lot of the time when you're working in primetime, you have something called video village where the, uh, the director and producers, everybody is sort of like in one area, they're not on set with you. And this was so such hard stuff to play. And it's so much that we had to do. And he was right there with us the whole time with his little monitor and he was right there on set. We were in this like basement, but it was all built and, um, freezing cold barefoot. Like everything was so, I remember too, we had, a makeup artist who unfortunately is not with us anymore um, today, but he I later on reconnected with him. He was on Young and the Restless. I met him. He went over to Criminal Minds. I worked with him over there. And then he was recently on Bold and the Beautiful. Um, and uh, I remember going to him and saying, um, I don't want any hair and makeup for this. I want to be completely. And he looked at me and he said, sweetie, you're <laughs> I'm going to make it look like you don't have hair and makeup. <laughs> You're wearing makeup. And I remember being like, like all these lessons and they all come from, it's so interesting how like all, they all connect, you know? Yeah. Um, but I remember feeling too, like, you know, it was just, that role was a gift and, and it was, uh, we were all just really in it and it was such a dark, heavy subject matter. And uh, I think it was sort of like all the pieces came together for that between, like I said, the director and the other girls and just everything about it. Um, and that's why I think it's still, to this day, it's still playing and it's still affecting people. Right. Because normally, because your character is alive, like through the episode, which rarely happens on that show, people are dead. If you're the first person they show, you are dead within like the first minute, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you really got to see the arc because my character on that show starts off as like this innocent soccer player who ends up like deciding, oh, we have to kill our friend. Right. And then I end up, not to spoiler alert in case you haven't seen it, but like, and then they decide to kill me. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. But it, but you do get to see, I guess it is, like you said, rare on that show to see a, a character a character arc right. on that. Because if you're dying, you're dead within five minutes. Right. So I think that's why it also does stand out. Yeah. But yep, just last night, watched it. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, a bit of a tonal shift in terms of character, but in 2010, you uh, played a sports reporter named mm -hmm. Julia King on a little TV show called Blue Mountain State. Uh, that show starred a one Mr. Darren Brooks, a.k.a. <laughs> B&B's Wyatt, and uh, I suppose somewhat more importantly, your husband. <laughs> uh, so tell us the story of meeting Darren and also realizing that, you know, maybe there was some potential for him to be more than just a co-star. Yeah, it was crazy. The moment we met, I'll never forget. I was in my trailer. We had the same acting coach, Ivana Chubbick, and she called him. I was doing this guest star and she called him and she said, listen, my girl's coming to do your show. Make her feel comfortable, run lines, talk objectives, do everything you do and all good. So he knocks on my trailer door. I open the door and he's covered in paint from head to toe. He, in the, in the scene, he had to be like, he was covered in paint. Right. So I can't even see what he looked like. I was just like, Oh, this is a nice guy. Like whatever. Um, and also I was not in the place to even think about anything like that. Like, you know, so it wasn't ever anything like that initially, but he comes in and we start running lines. We start talking. And at some point in the conversation, he said, oh, my brother, Adam, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, my brother's name is Adam. What's your mom's name? And he was like, Susie. And I was like, 
my mom's name is Susie. <laughs> like, what's your dad's name? <laughs> like, are we related? Um, it was like a big joke. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was like, okay, this is kind of a weird coincidence. Like, you know, I, I pay attention to things like that. Like, okay, maybe this person is supposed to be in my life in some capacity. And so, um, but on paper, you know, he wasn't anything to ever be like, a, you know, I was in a relationship at the time and he, he wasn't a threat because I would never date an actor. I would never, um, he was pretty. I think to me, it was like the rugged more, you know, he was too good looking for me. I liked like, you know, more like uglier guys. I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I wasn't attracted to pretty guy. I can't explain it anything less than that. I feel like my, you know, so not uglier, just more like not pretty. Okay. I, I prefer uglier because it makes me laugh. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I liked uglier guys. Okay. So, um, so, uh, so we became friends and like legitimately became friends and, um, and it was, we became friends to the point where I was telling him who to date and who not to date. And, oh, I like this girl for you. And he would talk to me about the girls and we were best buds. Like we were not, it was nothing, you know, uh, more than that. And then I went through a really difficult period in my life. Um, it started with, you know, my grandmother passing away and he randomly had texted me. We weren't friends at this point. Like he was just like, Hey, just, and I was, it was just on a universal level. It was just like time and place and, you know, support. And so, like I said, we became really good friends. I went through a really difficult time and I realized that he was legitimately the only real friend that I had. And as crazy as, you know, when you go through hard times and, you know, earlier on we talked about how people have motives in what you can do for them. And I realized that a lot of people were in my life because of what I could do for them. Because, you know, I, I did have connections to people who were very successful and, you know, there was stuff like that. And I realized that. And, and during this time, uh, a lot of people turned their backs on me and, and Darren was legitimately the only person who was there for me. And I'll never forget, he you know, months went by and finally, like one day we were in class together. We were in the same acting class, like I mentioned, and he walked me in my car and he just said, F it. And I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, but he grabbed me and he kissed me. And I remember being like, what the hell was that? This, first of all, what? <laughs> Second of all, no, you're my best friend. Like if this doesn't work out, like I don't want to lose my best friend. And it was like this whole thing of like, we were going back and forth. I was like, look, we can't cross this line because I value you as a person. I value you as, a, as you're my best friend. Like if I, if this doesn't, I, I don't need to date you. Like it was like a whole thing. And that was a whole other thing of like another six months of me being like, no. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately, you know, I, I decided and I said that there was the, there, this was the right thing and let me take, take the chance. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And luckily, you know, here we are with married with a child. <laughs> so Blue Mountain State was the best, the best thing uh, that could ever happen to us. And, and the truth is, is it's funny. I, I just posted recently um, on Instagram and on TikTok, uh, a reel of like real life, R-E-E-L to real life and how we met on Blue Mountain State and our first kiss was there to where we are now. And it caught the algorithm of TikTok and all the Blue Mountain State. I mean, it's going like, it's got like uh, close to half a million views right now. And it's everybody being like, because in this, in the, in the episode, his character is trying to sleep with my character. And I tell him, if you get me this interview with one of the star players, I'll sleep with you. And so like, everybody's like, well, I guess he got that interview. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this whole thing of like this whole community of like, and what's also really cool about that is the BMS fans. And then you have the soap fans who are like, even before I went to Bold and Beautiful and before Darren went to Bold and Beautiful, it's like, why or um max brady and mckenzie right because darren was on days and i was so the soap community like just supporting us and then the bms it's just like a cool it just seemed like everything not to say that it's just a nice energy around it you know what i mean of like people rooting for us as a couple absolutely that was me i was like seeing paparazzi of the two of you and i had known darren from days it was before i really knew you and i'd be like are they dating that's so sweet (laughs) And I have to say, one of uh, you you said something in an interview in Soap Opera Digest that always lingered with me that I thought was so special, which was that you um, you talked about how you kind of didn't buy how good he was to you, like you you were skeptical about it until you saw the loving relationship between his married for forty five years parents, and you realized this was what he knew, this was who he was. I mean, what a special story. I mean, that is the truest thing. I, we come from very different upbringings. He grew up seeing, like you said, a very loving family. His father worships his mother. They are so in love. Not to say that they didn't have their issues, you know, and they don't, of course they do. But the, the core of who they are and what their relationship is, is so healthy and so loving. And I did not grow up seeing that. I, I had a divorced, I came from, come from a divorced home. I never saw that kind of bond. I have an amazing stepfather and my mom have a a great relationship today, but you know, the timing of everything, I never grew up. I didn't have that role model of like what he saw. So a lot of our fights in the beginning were, I was, I would be like, I don't believe that he's this good. And I would be like, there's something about him. I try and find something. I'm like, he's definitely a cheater. He's the, you know what I mean? Like there's something like, I'm going to find something that is, and then, and then I've met his parents and I saw the way his parents were. And I was like, Oh, this is all he knows. He, this is what he knows. I know differently. And, and, and that was such a beautiful thing. And, and I think the, the best moment, um, for us was like, I had a lot of trust issues and stuff like that because of, of, of my upbringing and stuff. And, um, and he looked at me one, t- one time we were arguing about something and he looked at me and he said, don't you understand? He's like, I'm going to grow up to be my father, not your father. <laughs> so, so, so like, and it was a moment for me where I was like, oh, that's right. Like he, like, I was so used to being let down and being, you know, hurt and, um, you know, without saying too much, it was kind of like, oh yeah, now, and that was the pivotal, that was the moment. That was, I think, right before we got married, actually, where I decided like, no, 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 no. It's enough like testing him, enough trying to find what's wrong with him. He legitimately is this person and it's because this is how he was raised and this is all he knows. Mm -hmm. And it really, truly uh, was an incredible moment for me because before, prior to that, I didn't believe that kind of stuff existed. How could you, if you've never seen it? Right. When your only experience of marriage is that you find out your cousins. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, when am I going to find out we're really related? <laughs> you know, maybe your dad and my dad are the same person. <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> uh, path to making this union happen uh, started in 2014 when Darren became your colleague once again when you joined the cast of B&B as Forrester International Publicist Eva. Uh, you made your debut on the show while you were on a remote location in Paris and that Darren brought an engagement ring with him. So tell us the story of your proposal. 
Oh my God. It was uh, uh, unbelievable. My dream was to, uh, Par to, Paris is a very special place to Darren and I in general. We are, um, I grew up speaking French. The first trip we ever took together for my birthday, he took me to Paris and we spent two weeks there. Um, no cell phones. We, Darren and I could not be more opposite. And this trip, I remember looking, I remember saying to myself, we are either going to break up and never speak to each other again, or we'll be together forever. This is like the pivotal moment because we had, it was just the two of us, no outside world, no cell phones, nothing. And we fought all the time because we couldn't be more opposite. And we got on the plane from this trip. And I remember looking at him and being like, we looked at each other and we were like, I don't even remember one thing that we fought about. And it was like that moment for us to like, it really, and now when we look back at that trip, even though we fought the whole time, we only remember the, the good from that trip. And it was a very pivotal. So Paris in itself is very special to us. Darren um, has always wanted to um, to speak French and to learn French. And I grew up speaking French. And we find out that he knew, I guess, that he wanted to propose. And we found out that Bold was going to be shooting in Paris. And he was like, this is the moment for sure. Like, this is... Um, and he, I guess like he tells this story much better than I do, but we had to go to Monte Carlo first for the, for the TV festival and he had to hide the ring in his shoe the entire time. Um, and he basically, and I'm like a detective usually, usually I find everything. I find out everything. I don't know how I didn't know about this cause he's, he had been planning it, I guess for so long and he had Scott Clifton in on it and I, Brad knew about it. Everybody knew that this was going to happen. We filmed outside the Trocadero gardens. It was a dream come true. This trip could not have been any, any better. So we, uh, we extended like, a, I guess a couple of days after we, we finished filming and he said, listen, for the last night, I just want to take you to a special hotel because we were staying with one hotel at one hotel with the cast. And he said, I just, you know, Paris is our place and I, I want to make it, I want to make it special. And we hadn't gone to the top of the Eiffel Tower yet. And part of that is like, I have a huge fear of heights. And I was like, God, do I really want to go in this like tiny little, I, I don't know. I was just very like skeptical about the whole thing, but we agreed that we were going to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. And um, that day he got, um, he had bought a pair of shoes. The whole thing was so planned out. He bought a new pair of shoes. So we were walking all day and he said his feet hurt and we get to the hotel and they said our room wasn't ready. And it was like six o'clock and the room should be ready much earlier. And I kept and, and they said, well, why don't you go have dinner and do all this? And to, to make a very long story short, he was trying to wait for sundown. But at that time of year, sundown is like at 10 o'clock. <laughs> and he wanted the, he wanted sundown because he wanted the Eiffel Tower to be lit, lighting up in the background because our room had like the perfect view of the Eiffel Tower. And I remember being so mad being like, you're paying for this room. It's not cheap. Like, yeah. Why isn't it ready? I'm getting ready for dinner in the bathroom of the hotel spa. Like, and I remember being, there was this whole thing. We went to dinner and I could tell like he was being super like, not weird, but just like there was something and Detective Kelly is like, what's going on? But I didn't put it together because I was like, there's no way, even if he was planning on proposing, there's no way he has a ring because we've been in, in Europe for 12 days at this point. There's no way he has it. I would have found it by now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, if there was a ring, I'd have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, trust me. So um, so we were supposed to go to the Eiffel Tower and he said, you know what, babe, my, my feet are killing me. Let's just go back to the hotel, see if the room is ready. Let me change my shoes. Like, he's a good actor, you know? And then she's like... <laughs> um, so we get back and they're like, oh, your room's finally ready. I'm like, great. It's like 10 PM. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, uh, and they walk us in and I open the door. It's this two level suite. And we open the door. There's rose petals 
all over. Our song is playing on like the iPad or whatever it was. And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, no, come, come out. And this point when I saw the rose petals on the ground, I was like, oh my God, he's going to propose. And then all of a sudden I went, how, what is, is this happening? How, and how did I not figure this out? I know everything, (laughs) you know? And uh, so we go out to the patio and the Eiffel Tower is lighting up in the background and, and he has this like giant box. It's like this big, which you can't, we're not going to have this on video, but, um, and he gets down on one knee and he opens it up. And all I see, because he had to hide the ring in a different box. So it wasn't in a, <laughs> in a ring box. And all I see is like this, like the, the emblem of the, because he had to use a cuffling box. And I kind of stopped and he was confused. And I was like, is there, are you giving me a pin? Like, I didn't understand what was <laughs> going on. And he was like, oh, the box is upside down. And he flips it. It's like very classic Darren and Kelly, you know, where things just go in a, in a funny way. And, and I was just like, it was, the, it was the most like incredible moment of my life because I was trying to process like, how did you pull this off? How did I not know about it? Is this really happening? Are you really asking me to be your wife? What, like, it just, it was the, it was incredible. And um, yeah, that's, that's, basically how he did it. And I will say I never was someone, I didn't believe in like the romance behind like these things. I was very jaded because of my past. And, um, and I didn't think it, it was possible to feel differently about someone. I didn't, I thought marriage was a piece of paper. I was like, you know, like, I don't really think it changes much. Like it just complicates things, you know? Okay. So let's fast forward to 2016 and you and Darren have your absolutely gorgeous wedding in his native Hawaii. Who from B&B was able to make the trip? Um, we had, Scott was there, um, Lindsay Godfrey was there, uh, Jackie was there, Casey, our producer, you know, was, was there. He's also a really good friend. Um, Pearson was there. He used to play Thomas, remember? A lot more were invited, but of course, like, it wasn't easy to get to Hawaii. Um, you know, it's not the easiest trip, so um, a lot of the cast uh, were invited, but I, those were, the like, the main people who ended up. Pretty good B&B representation, I would say. Yeah. And when you look back on it now, you know, how would you rate it for someone who was like a little anti-romance and all that? Or It was so perfect and so beautiful, but it truly does, like Darren and I afterwards, we were like, God, you know, it really does go by so fast and you spend all of this time planning and you, you know, you just put so much energy into it. And then you don't, I remember we looked at each other one t- at one point and we were like, we didn't even get to eat the food. Like you're so busy. And so our advice to people who are getting married is a keep it cheap. Like do not spend, if you have the choice, like to put money into a wedding, although the memories are beautiful and it's a night you never forget and the photos. And I, I don't regret any of that. Um, but, uh, but try and keep, keep it small so you can really enjoy it and stop to like, taste the food and because it it really is that night just everything goes by so fast and then you're like it's over um so we always like what we tell people who are getting married is like really stop enjoy it make it as small as possible you don't need so many people there because you don't even get to see them anyway it's nice for people to be there to celebrate your love and to 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 be a part of it but really truly it should be about the two of you um, but it did, it made me a romantic. Like I was never this person before, but now it's like when people say they're getting married, I get, it used to be like, oh great, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like good luck to you. <laughs> but, but now having experienced it, it's like, it's so, it's such a, these are special moments and they're, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it definitely changed me for sure. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, so just going chronologically here in 2018, 
you, uh, as you referenced, returned to The Young and the Restless as Mac. Um, pretty neat. And it was in uh, timed, of course, to the show's 45th anniversary. What was that experience like for you, having obviously changed a lot as a person and I'm sure as an actress as well in the intervening years? It was, it was, it was amazing. I was so excited to go back and walking into those, you know, I'd been back in the building because of Bold, but getting back onto the YNR set, just this like flood of memories came back and really, you know, a lot had changed, but a lot of the same people were there. So it was just this like, you know, welcome home type of thing. Um, and it was, um, it was just it was so special to be back. It felt like in one way, nothing had changed, but everything had changed. And I did, I, f I feel like, like here I am as a grown up versus like I was a child when I was here last. And, um, but I was just so, I, I loved being there and I loved being a part of that storyline. And it was kind of cool to see the difference between uh, when you are young and part of a younger storyline versus when you have like real material, which was like the whole sad, uh, you know, the, the abusive storyline. Yeah. The abuse storyline. Yeah. And it was so important. And, and one of my favorite things about having been through that storyline was how many um, DMs and messages from people who were going through some form of abuse that gave, that it gave them strength to actually leave their abusive partner. And um, so there was so much more to what that storyline and coming back did on a bigger level that I was really proud to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Well, in addition to YNR, you've also done some projects for Hallmark, um, a very quirky Christmas with some adorable co-stars, and also from Friend to Fiance, where you worked with another daytime alum, Ryan Pavey, who was Nathan on GH. So tell us what it was like working with dogs and working with him. <laughs> well, uh, working with dogs is, they always say the hardest thing to do is work with pets or children and Corgi had both. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was the best. And again, like for Corgi, I just found out that I was pregnant with Everly. So it was like, I had this secret and I was like, oh my God, one day we can watch, you know, every Christmas we watch this together. And she was in my tummy. And it was like, because I'll never forget during Corgi, during filming Corgi, the, the little boy who played my son, he was the cutest little thing. He was 10 years old and we get to work one day and he's, he would Google everybody and he'd be like, you were in this, you were in that. And he turned to me, we we're in makeup and he looked at me and he he said, Hey, what can I watch that you've been on? And I was like, nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing is appropriate for you. And then I realized in that moment, like, this is something that Everly can watch, that kids can watch. Cause I'd never, everything I was a part of was a lot like, not appropriate or a lot darker. Um, so it was super fun to be work with cute little, and I was pregnant. So it was like just very, very special. And then working with Ryan on uh, friend to fiance was so much fun. He, of course we connected right away because of the soap connection and, uh, and all the people that we knew and the way we worked, you know, when you work with a fellow soap star on in another medium you you just get it like you immediately like it clicks and you're like okay because we work the same way and we're from the same world um and he's got his fans that are like unbelievable they're so loyal that you know they would come over to my page like especially with social media they'd be like you got him to post he never posts <laughs> They, uh, they're like, is he really, they're asking all these questions. Like, is he really like this? Is he really, you know, and it, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was really fun. And, um, and again, like the bonds that we have, like Ryan and I, we, the three of us, Jocelyn, who was the other star of 
friend to fiance, we were just texting the other day about like when's friend to fiance, we used to call it, it was the working title before friend to fiance was called uh, BFF bride. And we keep saying, well, the next one's BFF baby where my <laughs> character is like the surrogate for, for them, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, you form like amazing connections with these people. And it's like, you work, you do so much in such a short period of time that you just form these bonds and it's, uh, it's really great. So both Corgi and friend to fiance were really special experiences. What's going on with Everly these days? Give us the update. She is a little, her personality is just, it's really come out and she's a really good combination of Darren and I. So she, she's such a little jokester. Like it's crazy to watch her little personality come out. She just started going on the potty, which is very early. But now it's like she uses the potty as a way to like the second I'm like, okay, it's time to go to nap. She'll go, papa, papa. And she just <laughs> wants to like sit on the potty and play with toys just to not take a nap, you know? Um, her favorite foods are seaweed, lemon, and sauerkraut and avocado. Like those are her. <laughs> so she'll be like, I mean, it's so cute. And I don't know what I've sent you, Steph, if I've sent you any videos, but my God, like her her bond with chance i mean that could go on like a proud mom over here but her 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 bond with chance and chance was the our chance is our dog and her first words were mama dada and the next one was chance and uh and but because we're always yelling at chance because he's always like chance the way she says it is chance <laughs> It's a great chance. It's always like yelling it in some way. Um, but it's just, it's so much fun. And I have to say that, you know, being in, I've pretty much been in quarantine since September of 19, right? Since having her. Um, and it was almost like the first couple of months you're home. And then right when we were about to get out into the world, we all locked down and getting this time to be home with her because had we not been in this situation, both Darren, like we'd just be working all the time. And so there is something like being home with her and getting this time with her that I'm so grateful for to like be here and watch, watch all of these things happen and, and be a part of it. Um, not to say that I wouldn't have been otherwise, but, but it's like, we're just home. And again, like on the negative side, it's like, she's missing out on so much, um, you know, being around other kids and exploring the world. But I feel like, you know, there's time for that. So uh, it is hard, but um, but there is something I feel like that during this pivotal time that we can be home with her. That's that I think is very special. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking the last time I've seen you in person was your baby shower. That's crazy. Because when I the last time I was in LA, it was still early. Like you had just had her, so it's just funny to see like videos and photos of her and see how big she is. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other day, sorry, she got a little boo-boo because she was running outside, and, and uh, I, I'm going to send you guys this video when we get off, but she literally went, boo-boo, and I said, oh, do you have a boo-boo? What did you do to your boo-boo? She took her, takes her blankie, stands up, walks over to Chance, pets Chance, lies down on Chance's thing, like as if like she's like trying to make Chance feel better about her boo-boo, and you're like, when did she become a teenager? <laughs> you know, like she's like so big and walking and doing all these things. And you're like, it happens like literally like instantly. I mean, I just can't believe, you know, all these, I remember when I first had her, everybody was like, you know, enjoy every moment. Cause it goes by so fast. I remember being so irritated. Everybody would say the same thing. Enjoy every moment. It goes by so fast. So I was like, why don't you let me enjoy it and stop telling me how fast it goes by. Right. <laughs> and I was so irritated. And now I'm like, Oh, I get it. I get why they're saying it. It really goes by so fast. 
And if you don't stop to really like savor each moment you, or you, and you miss it too, because if you, if you blink, they've already like, it just, the, the first couple of years I do, I think they just develop so fast and the time just flies. And you're in like this mom brain space where like nothing feels real and you're just like, you know, the same thing kind of like every day after day is like the same, you're doing this routine and, and you just like, you really have to remember to stop and just, you know, really pay attention to everything that's happening because it does, it flies by. Mom, actress, also a very active, a lifestyle brand on social media, uh, reflecting your interest in beauty products and health and wellness that I always associate with you. Tell us about, you know, that aspect of your life and career, which we haven't touched on. Yeah, I, I, um, I've always been really into beauty and, and wellness and, uh, and I'm the type of person that when I learn things, I want to share it with everybody. So if like something's benefiting me, I want everybody to benefit from it. I also do a ton of research and I want that work that I do and the time that I spent to benefit as many people as possible. So when I started my blog in 2014, it was just a way for me to go, okay, I'm obsessed with beauty products. I've battled with acne my whole life. I've battled with so many issues. And here I am taking the time, doing the research. Let me start a blog where I can just kind of put it out there and have a place for people to go and learn from all the things that I'm experiencing. If I can help a couple people, great. Um, and it just started developing into really, it's just a way that I want to help people. And I want people to like benefit from the things that I know and learn. And then uh, as I tried to get pregnant, it wasn't happening right away. I started to learn about the effects that our products have on our uh, endocrine system and can affect fertility. And I just wanted people to be aware. So many people are struggling with fertility today. And for Darren and I, we were two very healthy people that there was no reason in the world we shouldn't be getting pregnant right away. And it just wasn't happening. Now, looking back, it was a timing thing. And that was a whole other beautiful thing. But for people struggling, there are so many things you could do to, to your lifestyle to change that will help you, you know, with fertility, help with your skin, help with, there's so many minor things that you could do. And it just became something that I wanted to really share and help educate. Um, and I had been using these essential oils. So I have a line, Madison Charles oils. I'd been personally using these oils for years and I would start making rollers for people and they would have like, something would be like, they have trouble sleeping. I'd be like, here, use this. And I'd put, I'd mix things together. And finally I said, why not just make this available for people to be able to buy and, and, you know, start this brand. Cause Madison Charles was my blog. And then, you know, I always said I wanted to start beauty stuff and, and things down the road. And so I started the oils and the most rewarding thing about these oils is number one, there's an oil for everything. Uh, you name it, it's there. <laughs> um, and the feedback that we get daily, which is like, oh my God, I had the worst migraines and now because your oils or the oils are helping me with my anxiety or I've been in the insomniac for all these years and now I can finally sleep. And I get these and they, it just makes me feel like, because I think my overall purpose in life as an actor, as you know, someone who is in the public eye, who has the ability to, to share, like I said, is just to have a positive impact. And, and if I can make, help somebody's day be better in some way, that is so fulfilling to me. And that's part of my purpose. And I think like launching this line has really done that on, on a, uh, in some way, because it really does help people daily. And even if it's just smelling good without the toxic side effects, great. Um, so I really enjoy doing it. And, and Instagram in itself, the community that we have there, it's a way for me to be able to connect with my fans on a daily basis because I'm not on 
YNR or Bold and the Beautiful regularly. So it's a way to, to stay in touch with them and to keep that relationship because I've said this a million times, but there's no fan out there like a soap fan. Mm-hmm. And they stay with you and they're loyal and they're with you for your entire career, no matter what you do. And, um, and it's a way to just connect and, you know, whatever I could do to make a difference and, and help people. That's, that's uh, what, and I, I do, I like to share Everly because I know that people love to see it, but there is something too where you're like, you know, you want to keep some, some things private because, you know, you don't want to share too much. So there's, there's a fine line with all of that, mm-hmm. but um but, uh, yeah, I love doing it and I love sharing and I love if I can help in some way. Um, that's really what the, what's behind the brand in itself. Thankfully for us soap fans, uh, that has not precluded you from making a return to the bold and the beautiful, uh, as Eva, uh, now you've popped back in over the years. We're going to be seeing you, uh, again. Uh, so tell us what that experience is like for you of being on the show and anything you can tease for us about, uh, what's going to bring Eva, the publicist to Los Angeles. Eva, the publicist is coming to Los Angeles, uh, for work. So she'll be, um, I guess the most I could say is that she's going to be, uh, involved with the Forrester Foundation. Um, I had the pleasure of working with, of course, Katie and Paris. Um, so Diamond and Heather, Tom, my favorite. Um, and, uh, and yeah, coming back is, you know, it's, it's obviously a very different time right now to, you know, be on set and the way everything's working with protocols. It's definitely, um, very different than it has been, um, in the past, obviously, but the way they're doing it there is, is you feel very, very safe and everything is done really, really well. It's amazing. It's always like coming home. You know, uh, this time around, uh, we was interesting because Darren and I happened to be working on the same day, but we weren't working together and we didn't have anyone to watch Everly. So it was like, he went in the morning, shot his scenes really quick, came home. (laughs) I popped over there to, so it was sort of like we tag teamed out. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the cool thing. Like I, Darren and I love working together. So the fun thing I think for us versus like other cast members right now, when we get to go to work together, we get to be in a dressing room together. We get to hang out together. Whereas like uh, in our interview with, with, uh, with digest that I did with Ashley, she was saying how, uh, isolating it is now, you know, cause you're alone in your room and you're, it's just such a different feeling right now. But it's like, luckily, you know, because I get to work with Darren, we don't have to stay 10 feet away from each other. And it's, you know, but, um, but I love working on Bold and Beautiful. It's, they're my family. So it's like, you know, and, and I'm like, we, as I've mentioned, I don't get out of the house much. So it's <laughs> to have some sort of social life by going to work right? and being around my, my friends. And, you know, we talked to all the other girls. I have a whole new respect for working moms, you know, how to juggle everything, especially in a pandemic, you know, when we don't have the help that we would maybe normally have. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be back. I'm, I get so excited whenever I get that call that they want to bring Eva back on the scene. Um, there's so many opportunities I feel like, especially given that Darren and I can physically be close to each other that, um, I know the fans are really hoping for, you know, that could eventually be something interesting that maybe down the road, but, um, but yeah. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing you back on screen and we thank you so much for just everything you've shared today and for being our guest and it was great to catch up with you. It's great being here. Love you guys. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Kelly. Thanks, guys.
Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kelly Kruger for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Bye.